You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at Nintex.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Well, here we are. This is another episode of Audio Signals on ITSP Magazine. And, you know, sometimes it's uh, me and Sean, my partner in crime, but he unfortunately couldn't make it today. But uh, it's going to be exciting. I, I don't need him today because my guest is someone that is going to fill up the space for a couple of people because he has great stories. And, uh, and I'm sure that in a way or in another, you've heard of him or the movie that he was inspired by him and the team members that uh, he, he had an experience with. Something unique. And uh, I don't, I don't want to give away too much. I'm just excited to learn about where he came from and most importantly, what, uh, what he's doing now because he's bringing back giving back to the community what he has learned through this career. And uh, his name is Devon Harris. You may know him for a cool movie that I've seen many times, Cool Running. And there was a great story about a Jamaican bobsled team that made it to the Olympic. So we're going to hear about that, but a lot more than that. So Devon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Marco, thank you so much as well. Um, it's exciting and uh, I uh, appreciate you having me on and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. I don't want to give away too much either, but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm happy to share uh, and answer the questions for sure. You know, the, the, these are conversations, so I'll ask you a couple of questions, but uh, we're going to go with the flow. And, and I know that you have a ton of stories to share uh, with us about the past, about the present, and I'm sure some visions for the future as well. So, why don't we start with uh, by yourself? I mean, l share with our audience who you are and why you're wearing a T-shirt that says "Keep on pushing," even if yeah. people are going to hear it. You mentioned that because since we're we're audio, <laughs> nobody can see it, right? Um, That's why I wanted to mention that. <laughs> Let's start with "Keep on pushing," and you know, as I mentioned, cool runnings yeah. and. Uh, which was inspired by the Jamaica bobsled team, of which I was one of the original team members. I'm actually a three-time Olympian, so I competed, yes, in the 88 Games in Calgary and then in 92 in Albaville, France, uh, up there in La Plagne, and then um, in Nagano, 98, 
um, my third Olympics. And, you know, you know, that's what we do as bobsledders. We push the sled. And, uh, <laughs> dude, that's as creative as I can get, man. Keep on pushing because that's what you have to do. But fortunately, it, the philosophy also, uh, the, this phrase, I think, leads to this philosophy of, of what all of us do in life as well. We have to keep on pushing against the twists and turns of this journey called life and um, push against our own abilities, so trying to do better than what we did previously. And, you know, just, uh, you know, working constantly and transforming ourselves and the people and the organizations around us. So um, if you think about it, you know, all of us have been pushing all our lives, uh, you know, and my journey, uh, interestingly, started in a place called Olympic Gardens in Kingston. Um, and you could argue that, is that where Jamaica raised all the Olympians? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, was was this a sign? Was that a sign and all men for you to become an Perhaps, Olympian? you know, there, there have been a few. Um, I, I, still, I don't know the origin, how, how that place got its name, um, but there are a few roads there, uh, you know, Arthur, uh, Arthur Wynn Drive, Road and Crescent, McKinley Crescent, um, Lang Road. Uh, and the lovers and uh, historians of track and field athletics would recognize those names to be the, f the, the names of the first four guys who ever uh, represented Jamaica in the Olympics. It was one of the great four by 400 meter relay team of all times, you know. Um, and then you've had uh, Mike McCallum, who was a boxer, who was from Olympic Gardens and and then I was number two. Uh, well, I, I don't know. So in terms of recent, more recent times, I was a second guy. And then um, now one of the greatest women, uh, female sprinters of all time, Shelly and Fraser Price, is also from Olympic Gardens. You know? So maybe there's something in the water. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> it's a really rough neighborhood, man, impoverished, um, challenged, violent. Um, and that's kind of... You know, where I grew up, um, just the, the, I think, though, I discovered sports really early in school. I loved, you know, I loved being in school. I loved learning, but I loved playing perhaps just as much. And, um, you know, discovered soccer, football. And um, the thing, the thing about sports marker was, uh, the thing I discovered was, wow, you know, when you're on the, in the sporting arena on the soccer pitch, you know, the value of your pocket means nothing. It's the skill that you bring and the heart that you bring. And even when there may be a guy who is just as skilled or even more skilled than you are, what do you bring to the table when both of you are tired, exhausted? And I, and I just kind of fell in love with that piece, that it's, um, you know, what you present uh, to the world on the sporting field is really what's inside of you. But isn't that uh, so let me let me ask you something. Is mm -hmm. the first thing I, I grew up doing sport myself, and I didn't make it to the Olympic, but I used to do 100 and 200 meters. So See, when yeah. you talk about the great Jamaican runners, I I, I know a few of them. Mm -hmm. But what you just said is kind of like you feel like sport. It's a it levels the plane to a point where it doesn't matter where you come from. It's all about what you can bring to the table. Is that 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 I yeah. get from in, in a in a sense that's true. I mean, I think that sports is a I don't know brighter minds than me might dis, might disagree. Sports is the purest form of competition out there because it yes it is um, 
it's what you were given naturally. That's all mm. you're using. And that in terms of your natural athletic abilities. And then that thing that I believe is in all of us, that thing that's inside of us that you can tap into to bring out more of those physical talents. Now, not everybody taps into that power that's inside of us, whether it's on the sports field or the the field the field of life. I, I think that's true mm -hmm. that we are, all have our particular talent um, in life, and we all have to deal with those challenging times when we're exhausted or, you know, COVID-19 or whatever the, the uncontrollable event is. Um, and you can tap into that, that power, that inner strength that's inside of you to get past those things, what not many people do. Yeah, for sure. And let's talk a little bit more about the past, because I know you have actually spent a lot of time in the military. And and I can see, and I remember from a conversation that you had already on ITSP Magazine, I wasn't the one talking to you, but I, I actually, I, I read that interview about resiliency mm -hmm. and how important, and I think resiliency, you know, you can put an equal sign in front and keep on pushing. I mean, that that's mm -hmm. kind of the same, yeah. the same message right there. You know, you fell seven times, you, you get up eight and, yeah. and, and so on, and you keep going. So tell me about the importance of that military experience and how maybe there is a parallel with your making it to the Olympic coming from such a tough environment and not be afraid to say, you know, I'm going to take this challenge. I'm going to bring it home. Yeah, you know, so if we go back to, you know, coming from Olympic Gardens, um, well, you know, I've always wanted to be a soldier. And then I discovered you could um, actually enlist as an officer, which was a little bit more uh, the more difficult path. But that's the one I like, oh, my God, if I could do that, that would be amazing, you know. And But, but it, I also saw it, man, as the quickest way out of the ghettos for me, like, like, you know, and I wanted to get out like yesterday, not today or tomorrow. Um, I wanted to be an, an Olympic athlete as well, but I, I've, I've started to describe that as my side hustle. That was the, <laughs> main, that was the main thing. The main thing was to become an army officer, you know, and um, challenging path there, but um, I got there, man. Um, you know, I ended up uh, doing my training at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst in England, which is a most prestigious military training school in the world. And, you know, um, and then I really got to live that life that I spent my childhood dreaming about, being a soldier, being in the army, and, and then being an officer on top of it. And I absolutely love that. I mean, and so I got to live a, a double life, as it were. You know, I'd go off um, and because of the bobsled, I made, the bobsled team idea came about very early in my Army career. I was uh, a young officer when the when the when the opportunity came up, and so you know I go off and I I go to the Olympics, and I come back home and I take my bobsled uniform off and I put my army uniform on and I would go back to work to doing that. So the that thing that I love was you know I also love bobsledding you know, and I would. It's it's a uh, it's. Uh, How did you get into that? Because let me tell, I've been in Jamaica. I've been as a young kid in Ocho Rio, just having fun. So it wasn't like really, <laughs> but I, I have seen the island. I've seen the culture. I've seen the sun. 
and I've seen the ocean and, and, and you know, as in the movie, <laughs> the bobsled is the last thing you think when, when you're there. So how did this opportunity come up? Did you just say yeah. you were in the military and then, then what? Right. So two, um, two Americans who lived in Jamaica saw a push cart. If you have seen the movie Cool Runnings, you'll remember Sanka was racing this wooden cart down a winding mountain road. And to them, it, 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 you know, two crazy guys going down the side of a hill in a cart, except for the ice, it reminded them of bobsledding. And then they discovered that a big part of bobsled races the start, you need sprinters. Um, and they they couldn't get any of the guys on a summer team to do it, so they came to the army. Now, it's kind of interesting how the, 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 the coincidence, the confluence of things. I'm 21 years old. I'm living the dream, man. I'm an army officer. like, And I, I remember walking, I'm walking, I'm having this intense conversation with myself. I'm like, so you're 21 years old. You have achieved your dream. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Mm. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the Olympics. They were coming up. This was 1987. I'm having this conversation with myself. And the Olympics were coming up in 88 in Seoul, Korea. Was not thinking about the Winter Olympics, you know. Unlike you, I was not a sprinter. But I didn't do Maybe I was, but I just wasn't fast enough in Jamaica to consider myself a sprinter. They're all fast there. So that's, <laughs> you know? that's tough life. <laughs> yeah. So, so I did middle distances, 800 and 1500. So I'm thinking, you know, the Olympics are coming up. Maybe I can get fit enough. And one, th yeah, I ran a cross country race and my colonel saw me and he's like, oh my God, he's fit. And so <laughs> he, he told me to go to the team trials because of a, philosophy in the army that says officers must always participate. And he had a bunch of enlisted men going. So he thought he sent his young fit officer to the team trials as well. And now, now that I'm going to the team trials, man, because before I didn't have any interest, my attitude shifted from, I'm not interested in this stupid idea of a boxer team from Jamaica to, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I have to make the team. So, you know, I just uh, went to the team trials and I, dude, I worked hard, man. I, I, I put in some effort there. And, but I, I think they like my smile. I think that might have been one <laughs> of <laughs> It's like, he may not win, but it's going to be a good presence there. Yeah. You good know, charisma. there was this one test, the push test, which was uh, uh, with a makeshift sled on wheels. And, I didn't know anything about bobsledding, but I thought to myself, man, if there's one test that's the most important, it's this one. Mm. And I ended up with the two fastest pushes. I ended up, I pushed faster than even the fastest sprinter was that was there. So I guess you know the the smile plus the push push pushed me over the edge. You see, that's why I have to keep on. Yeah, pushing. it keeps coming back this pushing yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, so. Let, let's let's talk about how you, you're pushing now. I mean, you said you reach your dream going in the military, you know, making a career there. Then you reach another dream, which is the one that was about becoming an Olympian. And then I guess you you ask yourself again, okay, mm -hmm. now now what? What next? So yeah. my guess is you want to bring to others this this energy that you had. Yeah, you know, so this this like this part of the journey, I, I couldn't even see it, you know, in 90, in 88, 92, even nine, well, not 98, I started, it started coming into view in 98, but certainly 
um, those first two Olympics, I couldn't see that. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, go as far as you can see, though, because when you get there, you'll see further. And, uh, you know, as I was in Olympic Gardens, looking out, the furthest I could truly see was the army. Um, you know, and it's uh, like I said, the 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 Olympics was kind of like that other yellow hill over there that would be nice to kind of visit. Um, but then here's the thing, I visited that hill, the Olympics, and started traveling a little bit more and started to see more of the world and and recognize that there were things out there, opportunities just uh, that I could never have imagined, couldn't have seen from my vantage point in Olympic Gardens. So now I'm like, oh my God, I want some of this too. I didn't know that all of this was out there, right? And so the army, that was a thing that was, oh Lord, if I could just do this, I, I couldn't ask for more to just be the pinnacle of my achievements. Eventually became just a cool thing that I did. Because mm. there was there was more, and uh, you know, and so I I left that and embarked on a on this new journey that I didn't know where it was gonna take me, and it, you know, it, it's kind of like if you think of a landscape, you go uphill, and you sometimes those valleys are deep, boy, <laughs> <laughs> and you're wondering what are you, what were you thinking, you know? Um, but yeah, it's 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 work it's it's working out. It's, I, I guess I should say, and so. Now I just kind of found a, a new direction, a new passion, a new purpose. Uh, this this idea of um, sharing my insights with others and how they too can uh, keep on pushing in their lives. Right? You know, um, sometimes it means throwing caution to the wind and being uh, totally um, uncomfortable, uh, even to the point of you questioning. Um, your, I want to say your, your, yeah, you're questioning your good sense, but just questioning your, even your level of ambition, you know, because it can, mm. those dark days can feel really dark. And you, you think, well, what a man, I've made a mess of my life now, you know, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, but you have to keep, you have to keep going. Yeah, let me yeah. ask you one thing um mm -hmm. so when when you start w traveling and you see like wow there's there's something else out there right you discover these things and sometimes i have conversation with other mentors and other people that are you know giving back to to show kids that they can dream and they need to dream right mm -hmm. i mean you can look at the stars and say you know what i want to be an astronaut i, I don't know if i could I don't know if I ever can, but can I dream to to do that? And there are there are kids that are not as privileged because it doesn't even come as a as a dream, right? Yeah. So tell me about the the importance of showing, you know, kids and 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 that they need to look to the stars and to the moon and say, I can make it. I mean, once you get going, then you keep on pushing, but What's the yeah. first step to, to start pushing? The first step is to dream, as I just mentioned. You know, if you think about, and I wrote about this in my book, Keep on Pushing. Good. <laughs> How, let's talk about that. <laughs> right. Where it, but when, so when kids are playing and they're imagining themselves, it's always like 
a superhero. It's always somebody who is amazing and, and does wonderful things. It's never, oh, them imagine themselves just being average and ordinary. And that's because I think in, innately we sub, we subconsciously know that we are extraordinary. And, you know, uh, and since yeah. kids aren't necessarily exposed to the quote-unquote realities of life, they are free to dream um, as big and as broad as their imagination will allow them. It's just that as we get older, we start hearing, oh, that's not real. That's not realistic. <laughs> you know, like, like, um, and so, and you realize that Superman was just really just a cartoon character kind of thing. Not what are you talking about? Superman's yeah. real? Except that, <laughs> I was almost except that they don't realize that Superman is also within them, right? Yeah. It's as real as anything. Exactly. Um, dude, you, you can't let go of the dreams, man. What, what, what are you going to do? I can't imagine a life where I let go of the dreams. Um, because you're dreaming this thing, you are setting a goal because you you have concluded, whether consciously or subconsciously, that this particular situation um, is not where you want to be, that you can do so much better. And so you dream of that other place. That I, I like to use the analogy of you trying to cross a street. And so you're on this side of the street, and it's like, man, it's okay. It, it could be just, you know, to use the American Ebonics, it could just be all right. It could just be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, just mm, all right. It could be horrible. Whatever it is, however that experience is for you at the moment, you're like, man, being on the other side of the street would be so much better than this right now. And so that's the first step, right? Having that image in your mind. And then you go, okay, I need to cross the street. But here's a problem, crossing the street. It's treacherous because you have traffic zooming on both sides and potholes and puddles. And, you know, you put your foot off the pavement onto the street and, like, you get almost run over, and it is scary. And so you have a choice. You can brave the danger and eventually get across the other side of the street, or you can stay there and, and, um, and live a life of mediocrity. A comfortable life of mediocrity. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I think people treat themselves into discomfort, in, into the comfort. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay. I think they just play a trick on their mind. Like, oh, it's it's not real. It's, it's not even real anyway. So I'm just gonna stay here, and mm -hmm. I can't I can't allow myself um, to accept that. I have to try. I'd rather get run over, man. <laughs> okay. Than than stay on the side of the street there. Could could uh, let me get into a little bit of the the mentorship part. Like, could the someone there with you on that side of the street? The, to kind of tell you and push you, I'm going to use your word here, push mm -hmm. you to, to be the best that you can be and to tell you that, look, you have to take some risk in life. How yes. important is that instead of just being all on your shoulder and, and be alone on that side of the street? But you have to be open to hearing yeah. the advice, though. That's a thing. Um, and the person who's going to tell you Hmm. In I think there are kind of two per people, right? There's there's only the person who actually crossed the street and goes, man, it's a tough journey, but it's worth it. Mm. 
This is, you know, this is what it's like on the other side, man. You know, you have to come. And, um, and you have to be open to hearing that message. And then there's the other person who is on the same side of the street with you and didn't go. Um, and they're telling you that you should try because now they're living a life of regret. They are sorry. They're regretful that they didn't go. And you have to be open to that message too. You know, so I think if you, uh, it's, I get, it starts with you, right? The, the, in, in No matter what, whether you have somebody to push you or not, to mentor you or not, it does start with you having that desire, creating yeah. that picture, that dream. And then, well, if you can get somebody who um, have demonstrated that, who can demonstrate to you, tell you what the journey was like for them, that becomes a, an additional impetus to get you across. So you're saying that the mentor needs a mentee that is willing to take, to, to hear the stories. I, I think so. You know how they say you can bring a horse to water. You can't make him drink. That's know? true. That is so true. That is you so know, true. You, you, you do, the mentor need a, a, a cooperating mentee. <laughs> You're so right. Tell me, tell me about your foundation. You have you have a foundation. Yeah, uh, man. Tell yeah, me about right. that. Like I said, you know how creative I am. It's called the Keep on pushing. Keep on foundation. pushing. All right. That, you know, <laughs> when I need to look for you, I'm gonna type in Google. Keep on pushing. Yeah, man, I'm yeah, pretty man, sure man. I'm gonna find you. Yeah. <laughs> tell um, me about that. So yeah, back in 06, 2006, I. The, you're in Italy, right? The year they had the Olympics in, in Torino, right? Um, I know. And so yeah. I kind of think of everything through the, oh, how did it, does it relate to the Olympics? You, you go by the, five, the four years? Exactly. You know, <laughs> was it before this one or after, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd gone back to the old neighborhood, gone to my elementary school, and I was chatting with the principal about the, the biggest challenges they had there. It was kids were coming to school hungry. And I think we know that if they're hungry, they can't learn. If they can't learn, they don't get educated. And, you know, a place like Jamaica, you know, other places around the world. So if you've missed the bus, you have essentially missed the bus. And, you know, being from those various circumstances, I know how important, you know, just being, just having a chance, you know, by getting that basic education is. And so I started a foundation to kind of support that. It started with a breakfast program. We have a school supplies program. We've built what we call a sick base, kind of like a nurse's station. And we're kind of trying to take it to the next level now by um, we're in the process of establishing a computer lab there. Um, that will obviously provide instructions for the kids within the school, but also some digit digital training for young people in the community as well. So the the idea markers to um, give some provide some hope, some opportunity, right? To just kind of open their eyes to, um, you know, give them some support first with with a breakfast program and school supplies and so on. But more importantly, is the hope, um, um, you know, and, and teaching them how to fish, so that they they can go off and and go do their own thing. It's hard to start making creative things and arts and i mean if you look in the history of humanity first you need to feed yourself take mm -hmm. care of the basic and then you can have the time and the brain to 
to find the passion for something. So, I mean, you, you, you really have to start with the, with those basics. So how is that working? I mean, have, have you guys seen improvement in, in the way that kids receiving this? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, um, just uh, speaking to the teachers about how um, once the breakfast program started, attendance uh, was on the increase, punctuality was on the increase, <laughs> Um, behavior was better, um, okay. you know, uh, you know, performance in the classroom, test scores, and so were had improved as well. And just kind of cool to be at the school because look, I'm, I see myself in those kids, right? Like I run yeah. around in that schoolyard and I was in those school, uh, very classrooms, and to see that, like, there's would be a whole line of boys, and they're like, I got one of the book, I got one of the bags, and then they want to show me the, their work in the in the in that they're doing in the in the uh, in the notebooks and the teachers have to come and say, go to your class, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> but oh, you yeah. see, like, doesn't this show that when we think about Superman, right? I mean, this is the imaginary mm-hmm. guy with incredible power, although then some kryptonite is going to knock him down. But then, then he Everybody keep... has to deal with their challenges, right? Yeah, exactly. Then mm-hmm. you eventually find a way to get out. But, but I always say, you know, sometimes you need to think that even just one word, one little action can make you a superman in the eye of a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, isn't this what happened when, you know, when they get to meet you and, and they look up at you? I can just imagine that, you know, if I was, when I was one of those kids age, seeing a guy like me come back, what that would have done. In fact, I, you know, I can remember, um, I don't remember his last name, no, his first name was Peter. He had, because in Jamaica, you have to do these exams to get to high school. I'm like, oh my God, you know, if I could pass this exam to go to high school. And I, and I remember him, he was maybe two, two or three years ahead of me in school, at the elementary school. And he had gone off to high school and he came back and gave a talk to us. And I just remember going, oh, you know, just kind of looking up at him, thinking, wow, look, what, look where he is now. And he was right here with me. Mm. And I'm hoping that my presence will do that for these kids. And I'm like, I used to be in this very school schoolyard playing around. Yeah. And, and for them to go, wow, you know, he's not that handsome. I could, I'm so much better looking than this dude. I could do better. <laughs> I'm so much smarter, you know. I have a better, a better smile too. Yep, that's what I mean. <laughs> so they, hopefully they're looking at all of that and going, if he can do it, well, watch me. There you go. You know, that's a good inspiration right there. And, and then and then you say you, you wrote a book too, an ebook. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've actually written two, three books. I wrote three. my first okay. book was a children's book. Um, um, yes, I Can, the story of the Jamaican bobsled team. And then I wrote a semi-autobiographical motivational book, Keep on Pushing Hot Lessons from Cool Runnings, and then the ebook about, um, you know, how to set and achieve goals. What's what's the feedback you get from this? I mean, is it coming from parents? Is it coming from? I mean, who do you write these books for? Yeah, they um. So obviously, the children's book was for kids of yeah. all ages to include yeah, those. My, my bad, adults. I should have known that. <laughs> no, I said to include to, to <laughs> adults, you know. Um, I, and it's 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 meant to obviously tell the story of the Jamaica bobsled team, but it's meant to be inspirational, right? Meant to go. Okay, this was these were the difficulties, and um, but this is what we did to overcome them. Like, you know, working hard, dreaming, working as a team, um, and this is how you kids, 
by just saying, yes, I can, believing in yourself, right? So every time our team had the challenge, we said, yes, I can. That's what that was about. To hopefully encourage them to, uh, in their young lives, to keep saying, yes, I can to themselves. And then keep on pushing, obviously, a wider audience. I really try to connect the bobsled experience, uh, attach them to some life lessons, you know, and obviously life outside of bobsled and growing up in Olympic Gardens and um, the Army experience and and beyond, uh, you know, dealing with fear, for example, or working as a team and, and you know, diversity, accepting um uh, p- different perspectives in life, you know, all of those things that try to share with a wide audience, a business audience, a pe- people who are interested in um, personal growth and development. And goals, again, it's, look, you, you, we need, we all need goals, right? It's a master skill of life, of success. So, you know, try to share some ideas and, and how important goals are and um why is it important to set them and how to set them and 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 achieve them, right? There's one thing, and that is, I don't want to say just set goals, set and achieve goals. And sometimes we kind of stop at the setting piece and then we don't do the the work, the visualization and the, um, the internal work that we need to do to actually achieve those goals. Can you give me an example on how, what's a good way to achieve a goal? I mean, to set a goal. Let's, oh, let's start um, with that. Yeah, um, by doing what I call the hardest work there is, um, introspection, self-searching, you know, trying to figure out what is it what is it that I really want? Where do I want my life to be? And you could choose any time frame. Like, where would I like to be a year from now, you know, five years from now? Maybe we can't see five years from now, but how about a year from now, two years from now? And then you go, okay, so this is what I want to do. What do I need to do to get there? Oh, you know, and then you just kind of, so that would be the goal. I want to be on the podcast with Marco in a year, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anytime. Um, right. What, what do I need to do then? You know, do I need to write a book? Okay, fine. What, 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 what am I going to write about kind of thing? And it, it, sometimes it takes a while to kind of nail that down. But when you do, though, it, it cut it. It connects, it resonates. It's one of the important things about goals, right? They should be yours. Mm. So when, when you have this, this goal now, this aim, um, you start breaking down the, the tiny steps. Like, and it could sound ridiculous, like being a Jamaican want to go to the Winter Olympics, right? But once you start breaking down the, the steps that you need to take, it no longer seems so ridiculous. So it's like, if I can do this piece, bam, and I get it, then the next piece and the next piece, right? So is it breaking down the main goal into achievable, smaller timeline? Precisely, precisely. And, you know, Mm -hmm. timeline and action steps, Mm. Um, you know. uh, So mm, I I need to learn how to push a sled. These are are the techniques and you kind of work on that. Oh, what else do we need to? Well, actually, you kind of need to go down a bobsled track for real. Otherwise, you're not a bobsled. Well, how do we do that? Oh, you need to go to Canada and all the things that you need to do to make that happen. And you get there and, you know, and you are working, you're you're doing this internal work too because the next step could entail a ton load of fears, like me trying to go down a bobsled track and being scared of speed and height, you know? 
And you're like, okay, um, but well, I'm here now, so I, let's let's we have to do it, yeah. <laughs> right? So you have to be will, willing to um, just face your fears every step of the way as you as you move into a new phase of the process. Right, right. Um, so as as we start wrapping up, of course, I could talk to you forever, and maybe you come back. But what what's your next uh, goal that you? you set for yourself i mean you, you have achieved so much and you're giving back i'm pretty sure that you have something else on the radar right yeah well, you know so i've been t talking about the soul searching thinking about what um the next book i want to write but that mm -hmm. it actually wanted to be a bestseller this time right? um yeah, some, make some, it happen. yeah i'm soul searching i'm searching for for that idea and then um, really, um, there's a lot of work left to be done with this foundation, man. It's, you know, just to have a little breakfast program and, and so on is eh, not enough, especially uh, there's so much, there's a lot of growth, um, so much work to do, as you can imagine. And so I'm hoping to mm -hmm. grow the work beyond my school, beyond the neighborhood, across Jamaica, across, you know, the Caribbean into South and Central America in all facets, whether it's providing whatever it is that's needed in a particular area. It might be to build a school. It might be mm. you know, to build a lab, a support a lab, and train young kids. So there's um, there's a lot left to do. Yeah, that's what's going to be one of my questions about being able to scale mm -hmm. to these dreams as well, right? Yeah, so fine. you started with Jamaica, your school, so that that gotta give you some that extra motivation to do it because I I, mean, yeah, I can think myself walking home. back into my elementary school, <laughs> and, and and make a difference there. So and then scaling out there and 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 using you know your aim, image to to do that I think uh, I think is important. But who who is also working with you? I mean I know you work with the mentor project. I know you mm -hmm. have other organizations that are supporting what you do. How important is to to have a team behind you that that help you to to make this dream come true. Yeah, man, um, super important. I mean, you know, you start where you are, and it's you know with three of us, me, myself, and I. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got I got that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but then yeah, I've uh, you know yeah, and so I'm always more than happy to lend a hand to other um, efforts. Um, and so, you know, connected like with the mentor project and I'm lending whatever experience and insights that I have, but they have been very valuable as well. I just had a, an amazing conversation with a lady here in New York yesterday as well. And we're going to partner together. I'm working with um, a digital company called Comtia. Um, yep. You know, I've had... I know Com them. Yeah, you know, my good friend. At, we we um, do a lot of cybersecurity conversations. So see that? Exactly. Um, so they have been supportive. Of, uh, Anomaly, another company, donated some refurbished computers. So by the way, if you have any refurbished computers, listeners, we're not talking about from 2001 now. But not I, from 1832. Yeah, not, not those ones. Not those ones. <laughs> I, I haven't made a museum yet. For those ones, there you go. For those that we can exist in a computer lab, you know. Okay, yeah, I want I want to take these two minutes to give a message to to who is listening right now and say, you know what, I like Devon, I like what he's doing, I, I want to help. What what can they do? Is there a website? Is there something that they can do to participate? 
Yeah, the, our website is keepompushing.org. Perhaps the easiest way to find me, though, is uh, you know via my email, which is easy. It's devon at devonharris.com. Devon at devonharris.com. So if you are inclined to just make a monetary donation, I can. It's easier if, if you connect with me. I just direct you. I send you the link. Mm. Where you can, we, we, the, the Keep On Pushing Foundation is a not-for-profit uh, 501c3 here. So we're, you know, perfectly legal here in New York. Um, and I, like I said, you know, we're looking to develop this computer lab and um, and grow that, not just this one lab, but we, we're starting there. The plan is to duplicate that in many, many other schools around the country. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to need some support with, with that, whether monetary donations or use of, or the donation of used equipment that are obviously still good and viable. Mm -hmm. We accept all, you know, um, school bags, um, books, notebooks, pencils, everything. Cool. Well, I, I hope that our, I know a lot of our audience is in the tech world, is in the cybersecurity, is in the technology. Mm -hmm. So hopefully somebody uh, could answer to this. And uh, for all of you listening, apart from the fact that Devon already said how to get in touch with him, we will have links to the organization we will have links to your linkedin wherever any way that you have to get in touch with them and uh, i highly suggest to share this of course if you're here you already listen to it but to share this conversation and also visit the website uh, keeponpushing.org and uh, and if you can help do so i i think as far as itsp magazine is concerned We'll be more than happy to keep sharing the word because we, we support definitely what you're doing. And uh, definitely honored to have shared this 40 minutes with you and have this conversation. And man, anytime you want to come back, you have a new book, come come on, uh, come tell, on me, tell me about it. Keep pushing. Mm -hmm. Let's do it Good. together. I can't believe it's 40 minutes already. Time flies when you're having fun. But well, thank I, you so much for I having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And I really appreciate the work that you are doing as well, Marco, you know, encourage the audience to keep on listening and keep on sharing, um, you know, what Marco is offering here as well. Well, I appreciate that. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Devon. I hope I talk to you again very, very soon. Yeah, man, definitely. And keep on pushing. Keep on okay. pushing, my mind. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at Nintex.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.
and some even beyond that.